Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. And uh, we're back. Um, the fact that we're actually recording today is impressive. Yeah, we're in the middle of a snowstorm in Ottawa. We've got almost a foot of snow, I think, overnight. Yeah, probably more than that. Like, I almost like knees deep getting out of my, uh, my house. <laughs> knees deep it's in a, snow. It's pretty bad. Like, the city is generally pretty good like i live right downtown so i the city is generally pretty good at plowing yeah and today was awful really like, they actually plowed my street part way through the day not the street the sidewalk weirdly not the street there were two i live in a cul-de-sac and like there were two cars got stuck and two cars hit each other just in like the little stretch of my street oh god today um so, very yeah so they haven't fun. plowed the sidewalks downtown yeah that's strange very yeah. bizarre yeah, there's no rhyme or reason no and they did some of the streets but mm-hmm. i guess that's now because i live almost on a bus route since mm-hmm. when the main artery i live by is closed yeah. for over a year so that's cool oh right elgin street i saw that i saw how it looks now you know after like the day after like a, a big concert that's what it looks like <laughs> <laughs> what it does, you know, where where you have all the fencing and it's all lined up and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only thing it doesn't have is like empty beer bottles, but I'm sure that can be arranged at his Elgin. Uh, I'm going to go with the no because there's no one ever on the street. Not in this weather. Well, <laughs> fair. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. Did you guys, were you out last night in the snow at all? or Not last night, no, just today and shoveled twice and yeah. Fun great. times, great. It's not so bad. It's kind of pretty. Sure. Just I, want them I to can. make it easier for me to get around with the. Oh, I mean, it's definitely an accessibility nightmare. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, let's get into it. This week in feminism, we're going to start with uh, Doug Ford's progressive conservative government in Ontario announcing that they will be lowering college tuition by ten percent next fall. However, in the same breath. They announced that they would be also be giving the Ontario Student Assistance Program, or OSAP, an overhaul, thus eliminating eliminating free tuition for students for, from low-income families. While OSAP didn't directly provide free tuition for students in need, the previous Liberal government created a series of grants that could make this possible. Now, a portion of the funding students will receive will be loans, which will suck, but the blow will be less harmful if the PCs also hadn't gotten ridden, gotten rid of the six-month grace period of interest to begin to accrue on OSAP loans post-graduation. So, Erica, I'm sure that people will see these changes, you know, people who support the Doug Ford government, uh, will see these changes as positive for people who are low-income because they still get a loan to pay for their education, and that doesn't have to come uh, directly from their pocket to pay for school. Can you kind of give us an explanation as to why a loan is not a great option and basically serves as a big false flag for those who think that Doug Ford is for the people? It It's a loan. <laughs> like, right. Like you have to pay it back with interest. Yeah. So there's an added cost to the loan when you pay it back. 
And who knows? Like you're supposed to pay it back upon graduation or I think it's within six months. Well, now it's going to be no more break. (gasps) Oh, my God. So can you imagine like if you don't find a job, which is which is pretty likely Mm -hmm. in this day and age. And so if you don't find a job, you're forced to take a job, which is um, with where you're underemployed and Mm -hmm. underemployment is a chronic issue. So once you start out underemployed, you're, you're more likely to receive a fraction of the income and wealth benefit that you would have from going to university than if you started out, say waiting the six months or, or searching and then being able to capitalize on wherever you are sort of, to build your your career over time yeah it's so in addition so if you're somebody coming out of school let's say for example um you link up with um a staffing agency Mm -hmm. well staffing agencies are notorious for keeping people in a cycle of precarious work yeah and so uh what would be interesting would be to see those stats like later on after this change to see if somehow there was like an influx of people who um, are underemployed and whether or not like staffing agencies especially saw an increase because that could be indicative. Yeah. And then like applying for a job and finding a full-time job that kind of fits within your area of interest or fits within where your degree is, is a full-time job in and of itself. Right. And if you are already from a low-income family, then there might be a good chance that you are also working part-time to kind of save up um, to pay for rent or pay for other other um, costs mm-hmm. with groceries or to just save up to like start paying off that loan right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so just finding a job itself is going to be is going to be hard for these people these kids yeah uh, yeah and in large part like osap used to offer more grants so that's what's being done away with like across the board so not just for the low income free mm-hmm. tuition but like just generally um and which is really just like a form of like delayed debt and that osap uh, interest rate is actually quite high. It's higher than the rate the banks will give you. It is. Um, so they're actually like making money off students at this point. When the liberals offer their so-called free tuition for low-income folks, it actually, I mean, that's just a, a myth that it was actually free tuition. It didn't increase enrollment more than 2%. So really the idea behind that, um, that that system itself was also flawed because you have to apply for it. It's still based on both parents' income um, to determine whether or not you're in your low income. And then it's, you know, a whole application process, a lot of hurdles, and the price tag is still a deterrent for people. And that's the same here, like a 10% reduction in tuition fees when tuition fees are like, they may as well be unregulated because each university can increase tuition 5% each year. So a 10% cut, which is the equivalent of $600, Mm -hmm. is is a drop in the bucket in the yeah. grand scheme of a six thousand seven thousand dollar tuition for an undergraduate degree. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like six hundred and forty dollars per year in savings for universities and like three hundred and something for colleges. Which, but let's not call this a savings for universities because no. I th- also that 
uh, 10% is a reduction, I'm assuming, in funding mm-hmm. for universities. Yeah, right. a, a lot of them are like going to be missing out on like and millions guess, of dollars. And guess who, and which which makes me wonder about the quality of that education going well, forward. Well, this means larger class sizes. And, and larger and class less, sizes. Yeah. But it also, it also is that those sort of, that reduction, the way they're doing it, means that the universities are just going to pass it on to the students anyway. Well, that's the thing is that like another part of this announcement was that um, they're making some of the fees optional, right? Yeah. So the Ford government is making uh, ancillary fees, uh, so non-tuition fees, uh, voluntary, meaning that you can opt in and out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those would include things like uh, union fees? student union fees different clubs um and i should hope it includes things like uh the fact that you pay like an you pay actually more for uh campus athletics than you do actually student union fees which is like a little known fact but that's also another levy that comes off um with student union fees which on average are a hundred dollars a year that's the like the average stat of what they cost so it's really not much but that's what gives you not just like you know, your student government, which is the one thing that's like actually holding your campus administration like remotely accountable for anything. Um, it's where all the good services are, the uh, different resources center, the like se- like the centers for LGBTQ plus students, the women's resource centers, uh, the um, international hubs for international students, uh, the food, the student food banks, which mind you now are going to be more important mm-hmm. than ever. Um, foot patrol role that like helps guide students back from like events when things are on like when campus is like unsafe fuck which is like all the time um and uh you know the the basic things like dental plans and Mm -hmm. and medical plans like the university is not giving you that you get that from the student union you know i think a lot of people uh, use those plans, especially low-income students whose parents don't have a plan that they are considered a dependent under. Um, like I, I relied a lot on my student union plan as well um, as a someone with chronic illnesses who had to double up insurances to get my medicine covered. I couldn't have been covered under one plan. Like that was a huge benefit to me. Um, so it's like it's, it's specifically an attack on persons who with who are low-income and persons with disabilities to like take away these types of funding and so once it becomes voluntary and it depends on how easy it is to opt out like you can imagine that this is going to erode those like what are in my opinion very much essential services on campus essential services but also like things that are essential to the college experience to the college experience and also to like activism and and like a broader culture and like that's clearly what the like Tories are trying to undermine sure like they want to go after um and there and there is like a political signaling that they're doing by going after student unions which are like seen by the right as being like the hotbed of like leftist organizing which to some extent they are but like that's clearly what they're going after and it's the same thing with their whole free speech on campus bullshit uh which is like attacking like the bds movement on campus campus um, and other types of organizing or like the fact that some campuses have policies against uh, pro-life events being hosted uh, on campus or or where the student union owns a building and so you know you have these right-wing activists saying well no we want free absolute free speech on campuses and that student unions undermine quote-unquote free speech so let me it's all part of that so let me just say that um, I think going back to 
medical care and especially psychiatric care um, in university is that that's when a lot of people get diagnosed. Yeah. And so if we take that from them, all this talk about mental health is bullshit because Mm -hmm. because seriously, that's when you get your early 20s or late teens, early 20s is where you get diagnosed for multiple multiple um mental health if uh, mental health issues addictions and that kind of thing yeah because you're like a lot of the time living on your own for the first time right. um you don't have as you know your parents aren't there to help guide you through it you've you've got professors and teaching assistants who you're one of 150 kids they don't care. Mm-hmm. You're just a pass fail to them. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. it's hard to create relationships. Exactly. And so there, there's not someone who's going to be looking out for you like mm-hmm. you would in a high school of right. a class of like 30 or I guess now 40 students, which is stupid. Um, so yeah, so there's just not that extra check. And so it increases the risk for these kids for these types of mental health issues. And free speech on campus, just to pick up from Amy's point, is one of those sort of quote-unquote crises that is manufactured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just want people to be aware of how manufactured this crisis is because this is what happens. A whole bunch of people with pedigree start talking about it and then all of a sudden it becomes an issue because their voices are amplified. That's what happened. So basically what they're doing is they're trying to take, they rose, their voices are amplified, but they don't want your voice to be amplified. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, so basically like the Ford government is... Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to add one one more thing I totally forgot about because it's not true across campuses, but some campuses now have this. Bus passes are also part right. of those fees. Well, first of all, all of the fees, all of the student unions fees that they collect are almost all based on a referendum. So students have voted for yeah. them at some point. So there was a referendum on the bus pass. There was a referendum on the different um, uh, um organizations that were developed under the student federation these things didn't like just pop out of nowhere so if doug ford says he's for the people (laughs) this is what the people have voted for at some point someone voted for this this is this is the society that we've created on campuses and students have a way to democratically participate in student government to like oversee and like watch over the the management of all of these things right but anyway the bus pass when we had the referendum on the bus pass there was like a there there were the the rare few conservatives on campus who wanted to be able to opt out of having to pay for the bus pass um and of course that made the getting a deal with the city really difficult and obviously everyone we ended up voting for the bus pass we have a bus pass and that's fantastic Mm -hmm. but like think about like the purchasing power of the student union if if people are opting out because they don't need the bus pass even though the you know what it ultimately costs them is like a drop in the bucket and then they have it they can still use it they don't have to uber from time to time like what they use it for if you use it a handful of times you're still getting value out of it but you're also what you're doing is subsidizing all the people who couldn't otherwise make it to campus or who would be expending significant fees to get to campus like those that that's all part of it and imagine like the health plan would be such shit if only if so many numbers were taken out of it so many people opted out we would not be getting the plan that we have now yeah there was like a big hullabaloo when we had um the vote for the bus pass at my university out in bc and um my school was located on a mountain Mm. so like 
you either had to take the bus or you had to drive except on a mountain guess what there's a limited space Mm -hmm. so there's only a certain number of parking spots and to get a parking spot people camped out overnight oh god it there was a line like lineups were mayhem and like if you had to renew it like on the dot or else you were gone and you couldn't get a list of people but like yeah yeah so like people with cars were like, well, I don't want to fucking pay for this bus pass. But you just didn't know if you were the next semester or the next year, you were going to have a bus pass mm-hmm. or like or ha- a have spot. a parking yeah. spot. Yeah. So it was just crazy. But people were just like so strongly against it. Cause like, I'm like one, they think the bus is gross. And two, it's just like a classist thing. No, the whole, the whole exercise is classist. The whole thing is like an exercise in like the government exclusion and is and picking winners and losers. Totally. Um, and Erica, who tends to be the losers? People of color, marginalized communities, such as the LGBTQ plus community, especially trans people, um, women, because I, I'm really finding interesting the connection between transportation and women. And I know we talked mm-hmm. about this um, in a recent episode late last year. I can't remember which one, but um, I I'm really, really starting to understand that transportation is a very gendered issue. Absolutely. Accessibility issues. I I, I would think that this just drives to the heart of accessibility issues. And um, just being able to arrive on campus for some people is a big deal. Finding a full-time job now in a lot of industries, having a bachelor's degree is the bare minimum. Like it used to be high school and you could kind of do anything with a high school degree. And now you, if like as someone who only has a bachelor's degree, I'm at a severe disadvantage in Ottawa because there are people who are infinitely more educated than me. And just because they have a other degree doesn't make them any better in terms of work ethic or quality of work it's just like makes them seem fancier because they have extra letters no totally. offense amy no 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 i know but you're in a specialization well you know i paid an arm and a leg <laughs> and i will be in debt for a very long time to both osap and to the bank and actually the osap loan costs me more than the private loan which is wild wow yeah and mind you the bank gave me a, a two-year grace period to pay back Wow. One year grace period. Well, two years, one year articling and then another grace period after articling. Huh? Yeah. And I, and I, and there's no reason why the government, if you're going to offer loans, can't offer at least that fucking much. I will say this on OSAP. If you're making a very small amount, you can put your OSAP on hold, but I don't think it's so you don't have to make any payments, not even interest, but it doesn't stop you from accruing interest. So there was a time, um, so I got part of my loan from Alberta mm. and cause there was a time when I don't know if they still do this, but the Alberta government did some calculation of some kind and they paid off their like they paid off their portion mm. of my loan because um, I don't think I'd started like like I think I was underemployed at the time and from what I was making and stuff. But they just they just canceled like they just yeah, paid yeah. It there off. was a point too in Ontario where they converted a lot even yeah. after you had graduated into yeah. grants which yeah. which happened to me as well and 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 that's fine as a practice like obviously it's happy that happened I was grateful for that but 
um, the, the reality is the sicker price of university is the biggest barrier. People, you need the upfront capital to get in, to pay, to pay um, before you get your loans, before you feel confident enough to even to qualify to, to get them or to get, and you don't know what's going to be a grant and what's going to be a loan and how much you'll be on the hook for at the end. Um, and that's a huge deterrent. Uh, that's the only solution is free tuition, frankly, absolutely free tuition. Universal access is the only way. Otherwise, it, there's, it, it's so difficult for people to, um, you know, even conce- conceptualize themselves being there. Um, and it's a moving target. You could start, you know, you could start one semester paying X amount. You get another government or a different university administration and you're paying something completely different. And each time there's more fees and different, you know, different loopholes. There are a lot of people I know who started and couldn't finish and had to take well, breaks and come back. That's and what I was just about to back. say. Some never came back. That's what I was just about to. I'm glad you brought that up because it's not only that. And that's the difference between, um, you know, some sort of some gr- some financial assistance schedules and others is that upfront capital investment. And, you know, if you are poor or if you're of even like a working class, you don't have that upfront Mm -hmm. investment to Mm -hmm. make Mm -hmm. to to then be able to. And and there's a cost to be able to wait for that investment to be reimbursed, too. That in itself is an Mm -hmm. extra added cost. Well, and the whole factoring of of what it costs to go to university is really um, uh, limit like limited we're talking about tuition OSAP only really factors in tuition doesn't factor in cost of living it doesn't factor in housing or anything else uh, I mean they ask you to budget mm-hmm. for that but they don't loan you for that amount they're loaning you based on your tuition fees so if you're in most parts of this province you would have to travel right to go to university or right. commute uh, for very long distances but more often than not you're traveling to out of town uh, to go to to go to school um that's not factored in so that's a huge barrier like that relocation cost is a huge barrier and that's why you people are using private lines of credit which if you can't get someone to co-sign for you which is a huge barrier for a lot of people Mm -hmm. you're you're just out you're completely out and then suddenly you're at a community or small college and and that's which is absolutely fine but then you know you're you're Earning potential may be capped depending on yep. what you're doing, or you've just missed out on, on an opportunity that you would have been more suited for. Um, so, you know, OSAP and our idea of university is being accessible, like does not take into account all of the other costs that come with actually like being there, living on your own, being in a different city, um, you know, to to live and adapt. And we, we act like it's, you know, it's just OSAP. No one is getting by on just OSAP. You couldn't get by on just OSAP. No, you couldn't. And I, I whether it's a grant or a loan. Right, right. So basically, I also find interesting that specifically in Ottawa, those changes to transit Mm -hmm. where they service less of the in-between also has a disproportionate effect on students. If you don't have a class at like 839, Mm. 930 or 10, let's say your class is at, at one, then, you know, you have less accessibility due to a reduced bus schedule all right so moving on to our next topic 
On January 18th in Washington, D.C., both the Indigenous Peoples March and the March for Life, a.k.a. the Anti-Choice Rally, were held. Footage from the two events shows a large group of teenage boys, presumably from the March for Life, surrounding and mocking a Native American protester who was singing an intertribal song of honor associated with the American Indian movement. The protester, Nathan Phillips, and others were lingering in the area following the Indigenous Peoples March when they were confronted and surrounded by teenage boys wearing mega hats. This incident has made a lot of people upset and serves as a good example of white supremacy. So, Amy, I am certain that there are people who will see the video mm-hmm. of this group of boys with really it just focuses on this Nathan Phillips and he's playing his drum and singing and the kids are you know mocking him mm-hmm. you know making the sounds of like I don't, anyway um the tomahawk songs yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um but there's just one kid and it's pretty i would say it's almost an iconic image of this like mm-hmm. white kid standing in front of him toe to toe we may see that picture for a very long time to come yeah, yeah toe to toe with him um just in his face and i'm sure that some people are saying that well i don't see what the problem is like he was peaceful he didn't do anything well, he didn't in- watch touch the video. him i Absolutely. got triggered i found yeah. it extremely so upsetting and quite frankly quite I, violent i agree and then, a lot and they of people weren't were just standing there or they were yelling build the wall they were yelling all sorts of bullshit things yes but i'm i'm sh- i know that there are people out there saying who will be like well he didn't do anything well then those people clearly do not understand uh you know criminal code uh provisions around like you know that type of assault because like yelling yelling out hate speech also at someone or what could be characterized based on how it was directed and how it was said. Uh, frankly, that those, that was assault and threatening in my opinion. Um, but I mean, you know, there was a very menacing, uh, attitude among mm-hmm. all of those kids, all of them, everyone who was standing there. And I'm sure the teacher chaperones who brought them there. This is a Catholic, private Catholic school, like a very upper crust, like from Northern Kentucky, elitist <laughs> private Sorry. Catholic school. <laughs> Apparently the kid's mom is like the VP of some big financial institution, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, like he, like, this is like someone coming from a very like peak it's, privilege. It's very, so the school only has approximately so it's um covington catholic school in northern kentucky that has about 500 students it's an all-boys school um there are very few minority students no no white teachers only white teachers no, sorry only white yeah, teachers no yeah. people of color yeah um teach there of 80 teachers yes yeah um and the principal so the principal makes a lot of the decisions on the hiring and so he's obviously a white male and they have allowed um, kids who have been found guilty or have allegations of sexual assault um, walk in their graduation ceremonies. They, they're they just very well There's, known. Yeah, and there are stories of people who, who've left there because of the, the torment the abuse, they've experiment, yeah. experienced as, as uh, people of color or yeah. boys of color. So and, the school and, is yeah. very well known for being sexist, racist. Yeah, there. I mean, you know what? So it's a Catholic church. So sure. there you go. Um, I mean, people acting like as if this is like, uh, you know, 
oh, these people are Catholic. It's so shocking that they would do this. Where is your religiosity? Like really need to learn their history. And to say that to um, indigenous leaders in particular who like who are experiencing that like this this side of that hate speech is so fucking insulting. Like that's not a short history ago. Uh, where the Catholic Church, at least in Canada, was I- doing such mm-hmm. heinous things to um, Indigenous people in residential schools. In fact, it's a very yeah. recent history. Yeah. Um, so for everyone on Twitter saying, you know, where is the where is the people's faith and where is their humanity? Well, you know what they they learned this from somewhere, and it and and frankly, they pro- they did learn it to some extent from the church. Um, and that th- that thinking that that um you know is is ingrained. Yeah, and the bishop of the of the school apparently also doesn't like working with women so which is so they have very few female teachers well that's lovely as i was in church this morning (laughs) (laughs) catholic church um so i uh i have thoughts about oh really yes shocking i've thoughts um first of all if you you know what got me about that kid is his smirk. Yes. That smirk was very telling. I mean, I've seen that smirk. I'm sure you've seen that smirk. That smirk has to do with supremacy and how and that your existence is a joke to him. That's what it had to do with. Yeah, it was very, very smug, very like, oh, I'm not gonna get arrested. Nothing will happen to me. Exactly. And that crowd scared the fuck out of me Mm -hmm. and i'm like i mean i don't i don't think i scare that easily Mm -hmm. but they frightened me so much so i was like i ain't fucking with white boys in like in 2019 i'm just not okay they can stay over on their side when i i will cross the street to avoid um a group of white boys because, A, who knows what they're going to do to me? And they're going to pick me out of the crowd, I know. Because, you know, I'm a woman of color and they don't like those. And so, and then they do something to me. And then the police, where are they? Nowhere. And even if they do get arrested, some judge will just get them off. I'm like, no, I think I'll be over there. Because they're dangerous. They're fucking dangerous. And I thought the, I thought the crowd was a bit lynchy. Didn't they seem a bit lynchy well, there's, to like, you? The whole thing was like, you know, you see the mob mentality like at yeah. work and like no one there seemed to like even check themselves for a second. Um, I like bat an eye. And it's just like the, the blatant disregard for um, one, like, you know, a senior citizen period, which like sure. is just just callous but like clearly like they had no appreciation for who this man was and frankly most americans don't most people don't like are like there's a lot of ignorance you never see um native american people portrayed or even given platform in the u.s i mean like in media and in any converse in in any conversation um and so it's interesting to that unfortunately through this incident we have a highlighting of Nathan Phillips who is like this really 
amazing kind of inspiring person who is you know a vietnam vet former director of the native youth alliance he is a keeper of a sacred pipe holds annual ceremonies um you know across the country and, and in dc area and in arlington uh he he actually was involved in another um similar incident where he was uh harassed and taunted at eastern michigan university by students you see how like this this make america great again like mo- like slogan is really just a stand-in for white supremacy like build the wall is a stand-in for white supremacy like none of this like these are this is not border security it's not about border security it's not about safety it's not about um the economy it's not about you know anything but putting white people ahead of anyone um you know anyone else even the people who were here long before any of us well and the thing is like the republicans can say oh well we're patriots whatever make america great again this is a Vietnam War vet. Like you guys are so pro yeah, war, even pro by your own metric, you're being, like yeah. that makes no at sense at the Arlington Cemetery of all places. Yeah. they fucking do this shit. But yeah, these kids look lynchy. Like mm. this is how lynchings happen. So in other words, they don't have the yeah. internal check yeah. to check themselves mm-hmm. and say, you know what, this is too much. Mm-hmm. They don't because their parents have it's it reinforced. Constantly. Yeah, it's yeah. constantly reinforced, and their mm-hmm. parents. You know what? Yeah. Where the fuck were they parents? Well, their so parents th- are just like them, I'm yeah. sure. Well, so well. let me just say one thing too. Like, so Nathan Phillips was interviewed on CNN, and he said, "You know, I was afraid, but but I wasn't necessarily afraid for myself. I was afraid for the future." Um, and like what these kids represent. And I feel like that's a really uh, important thing to remember because there are a lot of people, especially on the left, who like to fall back on this idea that once the baby boomers die, the racist boomers die out, the future, like, you know, right. the kids are all right. Yeah. The right. Kids are all right. The kids are and not then, like, all right. That, that, you know, like for every Parkland like survivor activists who are like amazing and doing fucking rad shit, there is like some, you know, uh what's his name like van a toronto van attack asshole or like you know Massive, one of these yeah. mega hat hatted like dick wads you know like there like there are i think the left like the young kids on the left are pushing things in a really cool direction and are like legit um challenging a lot of our thinking and like bringing in new ideas and it's fresh, but like there, it does not change the fact that there are still kids who are born out of the culture, the mainstream culture, which is still sexist, racist, uh, homophobic, that is trans exclusionary, that is ableist. And they grow up in the existing culture. They are still the mainstream. The, those yes. other kids are the ones, you know, pushing the envelope, but they're, the, you know, and hopefully others will, will that that will be where things go. But let's not assume that. Um, and these kids are a product of their parents. This kid's mom uh, came out and said that the reason uh, he went off is because he was recently attacked by black Muslims uh, who uh, had some words for him, I guess. Uh, I don't know who the fuck she's talking about. Apparently there was an incident. I guess there's a video of it. I haven't seen it. Um, but like, you better believe he, this kid probably just wore his mega hat and went up to some like black people and was like, absolutely. Uh, get the and then they kicked his ass. <laughs> yeah. Or something happened. Like I ain't hope, nobody but an ass whooping. I hope he got his ass kicked. I don't think it's that he got his ass. Kicked. I think he, there was an exchange of words, but he was like, his mom said he was upset about uh. black Muslims. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? And classic white woman thing to be like, Oh, but, there's a black boogeyman 
mm-hmm. in the corner and yeah. that's really He's the thing tears. we're worried about and yeah. you see like they bring it back to their own sort of like security and safety in this like such a crude antiquated way of speaking um and that's his mother who by the way is a vp of one of them a big financial company that's not yet been named i'm sure we'll find out any day now black twitter's on paying, the case okay who's paying him tens <laughs> paying t- like you know thousands of dollars in private school tuition for her prick kid to go to an all-white all-boys elitist institution that buses kids in to talk about how they can patrol women's body at a fucking okay that's the other yes. thing like, like this whole thing is that is so the fucked. other it's thing like a waking nightmare okay like just like <laughs> oh my gosh so the anti-abortion movement is also white supremacy in a nutshell in my opinion because sure. therefore yeah. uh people white people having babies and not and then they want to sterilize indigenous exactly people as we do it. here in canada we like you know for not stealing you know babies from the hands of their mothers as the state, like we as the state that we're all part of this, like what Hello, fucking colonial Manitoba. white state, mm-hmm. we're seri- we're doing forced sterilization on indigenous women here in Canada. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, and so like they bus every year, like the March for Life buses in Catholic high school students to uh, to go to the thing. It happens in Canada and too. It happens here too. They bus Catholic school kids to Ottawa for the March for Life. Yep, they do. And this is what I mean. I I just want to say to the Catholic Church, you don't want these problems. It reminds me of the incident in Toronto, the sexual assault incident at a Toronto boys school. And it was a Catholic boys school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and the parents reaction to that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They all went off. They were like, you are. Yeah. 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 They no one wanted to take responsibility. No one wanted to set their kids aside and be like, hey, man, that's like, that's not cool. Uh, all of them were deflecting. All of them were pissed, they, like harassing and assaulting media that were at school covering the press conferences and shit, like saying like you are ruining our boys' lives, all this stuff. When like your kids committed like a fucking gang rape, and there were more than one incident of it. Yeah, with like, video, by with the way. Video. They yeah. took video, so it's not like it's not like somebody could say, "Oh, my kid wasn't there." Oh, really? What is Johnny doing there with him with his mega hat? Sure. Um, when the fuck, I just think parents, you're fucking up. Thank you. Yes. But then these are also the same parents who don't want sex at taught in schools. So it's fine. fine. And don't vaccinate their, their, their little useless (laughs) kids because your kids are fucking useless. I feel like (laughs) if you are promoting that, if you're not disciplining your kids, first of all, and, and teaching them some respect, and if your kids go out and treat people of color like the way these kids have, you fucked up as a parent. Thank you. Sign management. She's <laughs> management now. I don't know how I feel about that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So last week, Cardi B posted a video on her Instagram that immediately went viral. And it wasn't promoting her latest music video. Instead, it was a rant about the partial U.S. government shutdown and how she's scared about what's happening in America. Hey, y'all. I just want to remind y'all because it's been a little bit over three weeks. Okay? It's been a little bit over three weeks. Trump is now ordering, as in summoning, federal government workers to go back to work 
without getting paid. Now, I don't want to hear y'all motherfuckers talking about, oh, but Obama shut down the government for 17 days. Yeah, bitch, for health care. So your grandma could check her blood pressure and you bitches could go check your pussy in the gynecologist with no motherfucking problem. Now, I know a lot of y'all don't care because y'all don't work for the government or y'all probably don't even have a job, but this shit is really fucking serious, bro. This shit is crazy. Like, our, our country is in a hellhole right now. All for a fucking wall. Like, we really need to take this serious. We, I feel like we need to take some action. I don't know what type of action, bitch, because this is not what I do. But, bitch, I'm scared. This is crazy. And I really feel bad for these people that got to go to fucking work to not get motherfucking paid. So, as you can imagine, U.S. political Twitter lost its goddamn mind. Uh, the Democratic senators were tweeting each other about whether or not they should share the video. <laughs> it was hilarious. But uh, ultimately decided that it, not to share it because it wasn't quote-unquote senatorial. Um, Chuck Schumer said something to like... Okay, and then you said Chuck Schumer? Hold on. Chuck Schumer said something to like Brian Schatz and was just like, oh, like I'm waiting to figure out, like waiting to hear back what you guys have decided. And that oh was, like, my God. It was too funny. Oh my God. I was like, guys, just pick up the fucking phone, text each other. Like, let's stop putting this on Twitter. Oh, my God. Look, WhatsApp is encrypted. Can we use that? Listen, <laughs> send your nudes via WhatsApp. Just I know. <laughs> like, I don't understand why people don't understand. Use WhatsApp. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and uh, as you can imagine, the Republicans, well, the Republicans Republicaned real hard. They, uh, they went full racist and classist. And Erica, I just wanna I wanna get your your hot take on on our new queen Cardi B. Listen, Cardi B broke it down like nobody like there's nothing in there that she said where it was just like, oh that's dumb or oh that's or you know, it's this idea and I just wanna put this out there besides the reaction that it will be cla- that is classist and racist and the intersection of those two things. It's as though it's, it's as though your occupation means that you can't have an opinion on politics. Sure. That's a different conversation, but yes. So I want to get your opinion on her liberal use of the word motherfucker. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> I love the word motherfucker. I mean, we talked about this last week. It is officially <laughs> part of the political lexicon to it say motherfucker. Is. Thank you. Thank you. I Rashida feel like Talib has set the uh, to precedent. Rashida Talib, because I tell you, I was actually reducing my use of the word motherfucker. No, no. But but then she came in with, honey, we're going to impeach that motherfucker. And I was just like, oh, my God. She's, oh, my God. I, I wanted to cry tears because it's just a, it's the perfect word to let people know you're fucking serious. Yeah, I feel like motherfucker is the word of 2019. It, it, it motherfucker is oh the word God, of 2019. Make t-shirts. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, like I actually, yeah. I'm like not even joking. Without the, are we like? Without Do you remember the stars? how like obnoxious in 2015 everyone was making shirts that said because 2015 because it's 2015 or whatever like the Carito quote about like I've never women. seen those shirts, but I'm sure that they definitely happened. a lot of people made those shirts. We should make like something motherfucker okay. or just the word motherfucker i think we should just do we mo- should change our logo a slogan from stay bitchy to just motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> <Hashtag> motherfucker. <laughs> that's it hashtag motherfucker <laughs> i feel like this is a thing this is this is it i it's gonna be include it's gonna be like the oxford dictionary's word of the year i love that word i love that word because you put you juxtapose it with like 
a, an erudite word or an upscale word or something, and then you confuse people. And I, I love that. I love that. I love highbrow and like mm. in the streets together. All right. So, oh, Cardi B, highbrow oh, Car- and in the streets at the same time. Yeah. At the same time. She was, and she was funny. She's she was so, good. so funny. She would, I love it. I've listened to it so like, I'm just. Uh. I, I just, so you could go check your pussies <laughs> at the gynecologist. <laughs> She's not wrong. She's not wrong. Literally. Like she pulled out the receipts. Yeah, I know that some people are going to say Obama did it, but that was for health care. So you can <laughs> check your motherfucking <laughs> blood pressure. <laughs> so your grandma can go to the fucking yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it, and the the yeah, those are the stakes. Like she's oh like, yeah, that is like, a real political calculation that was appropriate. But this I am not here so much. for that this is a great Cardi analysis. B. Honestly, I'm here for this Cardi B. Honestly, some political podcast need to get her on as a guest. Oh uh, yeah, totally. That would be smart because she then commented somewhere that she's like, oh well, I I watch about like the news and po- about politics all the time. Like it's something that's very of in- interesting to me. Yeah, and so like for her to be able to take like complex issues mm-hmm. that like a lot of the general public has hard time understanding, mm-hmm. and then boil it down to like the way that she communicates to people totally is huge. Absolutely, and like well, she has forty million followers. Well, and I think that in itself is an intelligence mm-hmm. the, the ability to take complex issues and to boil and to translate it mm-hmm. for the layperson but to make it your own yeah that's true true, that's true. she true. did make it her own she did but to be able to do that takes a savvy and an intelligence that we don't give credit for because there are people like that who are that intelligent but because they don't have degrees next or, to their yeah names, or they don't sound the way or they don't certain sound the sound, way like certain, a and that's where the classism yeah. comes in people have always been classes about cardi b people always yeah. the first thing people say about her is i can't stand the way she talks why does she talk like that like it's you know she's so trashy and it's all about how she speaks mm-hmm. which is completely like classist racist this bullshit yeah um and they and they it blinds people to actually hearing what she's saying and now you've heard what she has to say and she is making some of the most <laughs> salient political commentary you've heard this week in like the quippiest fastest soundbitiest way and of course no no one wants to uh share it because of the profi- because it's profanity laden except for the fact that like this is the capturing the messaging that the dems can't seem to get anyone to grasp onto outside of their little like because they are they are caught up in this respectability bullshit yeah it's they play respectability politics they should hire Cardi b to do their comms for like (laughs) the next year they should because they get a lot further but that's what they're missing and they like you know it's it's just this nonsense of like you want people to sound the way they've always sounded and that's where has that gotten you but it just goes to show that there is this 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 need for um for authenticity. I yeah. hate I know I hate using No, that I word. almost said that too. And I, I you just, know what I mean? But they're I, always I trying to strip authenticity out of people. Yeah. You know, it's the same with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, like the, you know, speak you know, speak like uh 
or you know don't speak like a young person or or like why like the way she tweets people like snark about the way she tweets and and why she still uses you know like slang or like whatever different short hands and things and it's like yeah you know, fuck you first of all that's what got her elected like if you were to change now you would get like none of the gains she you like she got to, that got her there mm-hmm. and that's what people are like clamoring on to it's not because she sounds like you know joe blowhard whatever like it's because she sounds like herself and she sounds like people yeah. she sounds like voters that's how p- people speak and if and that's how rashida speaks rashida speaks like people in michigan speak motherfucker this motherfucker that. <laughs> deal with it <laughs> like she's gonna like you know put it on this is like like having a little reception with her supporter she's gonna like you know you know knows uh like knows up high like mm-hmm. you know crusty old man to, to fundraise and to like get like more support where's that gotten anybody yeah and i think that with cardi like i think there's a bit of whorephobia too oh there's oh, absolutely yeah, for sure for sure yeah. for sure people people sh- like yeah I, th- no one says it explicitly but everyone is always thinking about that i well, think she when, was a stripper yeah She's a stripper. She like twerks all the time. She's always half naked. Oh my gosh. That was the other thing. Her body is plastic. Everything is like. But that was the other thing is that she came out with that with that City Girls remix in the morning with all that twerking. Yeah. And then dropped some politics in the afternoon. I was like, you are I I have a newfound respect for you. And it's that juxtaposition that you can be. This is the thing. I. Definitely, when I said last week that there's this group of women, and I'm not going to limit it to politics anymore. I'm going to say, okay, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Talib, Talib, and 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 Presley, and all of them, sure. But there's also this like pop, these pop culture sort of juggernauts mm-hmm. because now I, now politics is pop culture, right? Who can I love the fact that she was able to do Cardi B, what she's famous for in the morning, and then bring it around to talking about serious issues in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And especially what I find when I moved to Ottawa, what I found especially weird was there's this attitude that you must be serious all the time. Yep. Like that well, we're doing serious work here. Mm-hmm. You know how many mm-hmm. times at the Department of Finance they would tell me that they're doing serious work? And I'm like, well, what's fucking work? Like, isn't work serious in general? No, but because it was defined a certain way, mm-hmm. because it was performed by certain people, because these people had pedigree and degrees and education and all that, then that was serious. That was mm-hmm. respectable. Mm-hmm. That was to be taken without any question their opinions their thoughts their analyses everything their words and usually in a lot of times they didn't know they could not sort of boil down what they were doing and speak to the average person about what they're doing because they didn't know how to relate Mm -hmm. and I think that um, with Cardi B and all of the rest of these women, I just think they're just brilliant role models mm-hmm. for what women 
who women are mm-hmm. and the fact that women are just multi-dimensional mm-hmm. they're not there to be defined by your gaze mm-hmm. and i feel like that is what cardi b did by the way mm-hmm. i love her makeup in that video <laughs> yeah, i she loved was, it she looked really good oh wow but just the the whole idea that only certain people can talk about politics only certain people yeah. can can have that conversation and you have to have it a certain way is the reason why people feel so alienated well, yeah. And like it's saying that like, oh, you are an actor, you're a songwriter or whatever, you're famous for X, therefore you can't talk about politics is complete bullshit because Donald Trump's the fucking president and he yeah. was a businessman. <laughs> so and he a was a failed businessman. And he, at if that. he was a businessman, then he should have kept politics out of his goddamn mouth and like shouldn't have run for president. But here we are. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's a reality star. He's not a businessman, which really We're, speaks to your point even more. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> sure. Can we can we talk about the clapback with Tommy Lahren? Oh, that sure. was wonderful. Yeah, so basically Tommy Lahren and Cardi B had a few a few tweets this morning, Sunday, um, where they Well, Tommy kinda came for Cardi. <laughs> Tommy, I don't, I don't Tommy know why. was on a suicide mission this morning. I don't know why. She it was <laughs> a fool's errand for sure. It was. And uh, basically, Carney told her to fuck right off. <laughs> You're that's not, not actually, doing it. That's justice. not oh. true at all. I, okay. I'll read. <laughs> You're not Tony doing Montana it justice. Or whatever her face is, goes. I'm sure you. Is, oh fuck! I don't even have the first part. She just goes on. She, there, there is a bit of. All an right, exchange. I have it. I have yeah, it. I have no, it. You do it. Tommy says, "Looks like I am Cardi B. Is the latest genius political mind to endorse the Democrats." Ha. Keep it up, guys. Hashtag mega 2020. Cardi quote tweets it and says, leave me alone. I will dog walk you. Ouch. Ouch. And then. Um, <laughs> she uh, is Tommy, currently trending, by the way. Yeah. Uh, basically, Tom, Tommy yeah. writes back. I'm sure you would. Still doesn't make your political rambling any less moronic. Hashtag build that wall. And Cardi just tweets back, you're so blinded with racism that you don't even realize the decisions you, the president you root for is destroying the country you claim to love so much. You are a perfect example on no matter how educated or smart you think you are, you are still a sheep. Boom. Wow. It's so good, though. It's so true. Good. It's so, so true. Good. I, like, and, and Tommy Lahren, to say that Cardi B, like to try to put down Cardi B, it's, it, there's a lack of self-awareness there. Oh, dear. Anyway... Cardi B, we stand our new queen. We stand. <laughs> Stay tuned for rent and receipts. <laughs> All right, now it's time for our new favorite segment, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's a lot like the old favorite segment. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's almost not just of the week. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's right. That is the favorite. All right, we're on to rent and receipts. And uh, Erica, what do you got? Well, my rant and receipts is that the Women's March is dead. I called it here on January 20th, 2019. So this weekend was the weekend of the Women's March. However, smaller crowds gathered to protest what first began as resistance against Trump and then morphed into a new chapter of women's rights. The weather was bad. Sorry, just to clarify, you're speaking about Ottawa specifically. No, I'm t- 
talking about the entire okay. thing. So, okay, this actually came from the daily. So today, as I was actually outside, um, I listened to the January 18th episode of the daily, which went into the women's March and some of the problems that the women's March is having, especially as the group seems to be splintering and it's splintering over a number of issues. Um, uh, Tamika Mallory and some of the other um, organizers of color have been called anti-Semites because of Mallory's um, support of uh, Louis, Louis Farrakhan and others because I think the Women's March has a problem with its sort of reason for being at this time. And um, yeah, so I just actually wanted to bring that up since it is it was this weekend. Um, in Ottawa, thousands were supposed to attend but only hundreds actually marched, which could have been the cold. But it could also be that I think the Women's March has a bit of an identity crisis it's going through. So as I said before, Tamika Mallory has been uh, accused of being anti-Semitic because she posted a picture of uh, Instagram with Louis Farrakhan, called him the GOAT, which is the greatest of all time. And so this was recently brought up by Meghan McCain on The View. I'm just going to say this. I don't believe it is anti-Semitic. I think that Tamika Mallory's sort of um, connection to Louis Farrakhan is more intricate and probably complicated than it seems. Um, But I'm also going to say that I think the Women's March isn't sure whether it is coming or going at this point. I'm not sure what if there's like a theme each year. I'm not sure what they do in between the years. I'm not sure where their presence is in sort of communities, especially communities of color. I, I don't know. So I guess... The question is, instead of a rant, I have questions. Yeah, I think this is pretty in line with a lot of what we've talked about with the Women's March before. So that we just, it just kind of feels like it's floundering. Yeah. So, um, I will say this. I think Louis, Louis Farrakhan is an anti-Semite. I think he's... Um, And I also think he's a homophobe and a misogynist. Mm -hmm. And so to me, uh, this call for black people to denounce him, which happened around November, where this all became a thing, Mm -hmm. uh, I think was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't, it, it was this both sides attitude towards yeah i don't think it was in earnest it was like oh well look at all the people you expect the right to denounce right you guys have people on your side too and like he's he's gross and people should definitely dissociate from him and like or like call him out for certain things but like i don't think the people raising it were genuinely uh 
doing it out of like a need for the movement to be more progressive. I think they was just generally wanting to call out the racialized women who are at the helm of the women's march um, and and kind of put the gears to them in some weird way. So that's how I that's how I feel it because it feels I, very I agree. I targeted agree. in a in a kind of a insidious way. And Louis Farrakhan has been, been around been for a thing in in this new generation of black people like i can't remember the last i honestly when i saw i said is louis farrakhan still a thing because i don't even around for fucking ever but i mean he he should be called though and i think you know uh, yeah this is a man okay who basically who who told jay-z to to ask his wife to cover up Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's so irrelevant. Like, he's irrelevant. Nobody, like, which is why when 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 I heard this Tamika Mallory stuff, I'm like, oh, he's still a thing? Like, and so anyway, I'm going to read a little bit from this this thread. Um, Farrakhan on Twitter that I thought was really, really good. Um, Farrakhan is a media trope to punch the left, which he isn't even a part of. Mm-hmm. Okay, ultimately boils down to people making false equivalencies between shitty bigots preying on a small segment of oppressed communities and the full weight of systematic white supremacy in this country. You sing it, girl. <laughs> like, yes, Tamika Mallory should know better by now. Mm-hmm. She's been told. Mm-hmm. But Farrakhan is a snake oil salesman preying on oppressed people. He and his ilk are not going away until anti-black oppression does. Hate him like I do, fight with black folks so they have better options. And I like and this thread goes on. I've re- retweeted it. It's fantastic. Um you know, Louis saying Louis Farrakhan is relevant is like it's like saying, well, Jesse Jackson. It like that's like bringing up Jesse Jackson, who has done good things, by the way. I just want to say Jesse that Jesse Jackson's more relevant. <laughs> it, it, true, and and the thing is, Jesse Jackson got those those hostages out of Iran all those years ago. And by the way, that's something that I yeah, never. What have seen. you done, Louis Farrakhan? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. And he's a misogynist. Yeah. Shoot, you just wait till he's our misogynist of the week. I will be the first person to be like, let's put on Louis Farrakhan. Well, that would assume he was relevant. <laughs> Fair. See what I did Fair. <laughs> I see what you did there. But yeah, I just I feel like and and the thing about it is when 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 um Megan McCain was on the view and she's like, Oh you well, you should denounce him and so on. You know what Tamika Mallory said? And I thought this was so on point. She said she said, I don't think you should be um judging me through the eyes of a man. Mm. I was like, oh, mic drop done. Done. I was like, that's exactly and it. Megan McCain was like, but I'm John McCain's daughter. <laughs> and I I'm want you to judge me daughter. through that lens and that <laughs> lens alone. So, yeah. And also, um, I think that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Like, fuck Louis Farrakhan and fuck anybody who wants me to denounce him. So fuck you both. OK. And your false equivalencies. But um, the Women's March what do you guys think? Do you think it has staying power? Do you think it needs to go do something? What do you guys think? I'm conflicted about it. Um, I think I don't care. It needs a refocus. The people who are involved right now need to make room for other people and like parlay that energy 
into something meaningful or mm-hmm. just like <clears throat> put it into other organizations who are kind of already doing the same thing. Yeah. Totally. That's exactly my why, feeling. Why are we It's not that it's not relevant or it's unnecessary per se. Mm-hmm. It's just that the way it's being done is not constructive and is not collaborative and it's not inclusive. And so in, in that sense, it makes itself irrelevant. But the idea of marching or the idea of highlighting women's issues or women's rights issues it is obviously always necessary yeah. it's just like is this the vehicle and is this the like way to do it and i and i'm not quite sold on that as of yet and even the idea that we're still doing it in relation to trump inauguration 2017 when it's 2019 it's january in canada like what what does this have to do with with anything and why are we you know positioning women's rights in that conversation or you know still right like, yeah yeah um instead of maybe looking a bit more broad like broadly or more narrowly at specific issues like one way or the other but but to have it be like and re- still in response to trump um even just because of the day and what it signifies i find um you know to be yeah i find that kind of frustrating frankly i think if they were forward looking at least in canada then they would position they would have already positioned themselves as being um somehow like i don't even hear them in canada in relation to some of the misogynist things that that have been said or in terms of you know, talking about sexual harassment or mm. Me Too within the parties in Canada, within the politics no, I mean, to me of it's Canada. Like you look at the majority of those hundreds of people in Ottawa who are there, half of them are elected officials just going to show face yeah. to say that they're there. And you've got like, you know, ministers of the state like marching while their, you know, RCMP is like barreling down the, the throats of indigenous people, like trying to ram a pipeline, like through mm. the like, you know, through the country where people don't, you know, like it's just like what they there's it's lost it's lost so much me- it's not lost so much meaning it's never had meaning to begin with except to like juxtapose everybody against trump yeah. so that it becomes such a low bar that you have ministers of the the state here like you know acting you know like as if they are the beacons of progressivism going to show face at the international women's march or whatever mm-hmm. um wearing you know pussy hats because it's like the easiest thing to do and it's all just to show face Absolutely. None of it has any substantive meaning. No. And like, okay, fine. This year in Ottawa, I don't know if this is across all the women's marches because I, I'm on, I, as someone who is on Twitter all the time, nothing comes through my feed related to the women's march unless it's like a criticism of it in a story Yeah, or or until it happens. And it's like, oh, this happened. The end. I'm like, oh, cool. But like, so like for, so the theme in Ottawa was, um ending violence against women cool that's fine that's wonderful great that's important but uh what did you guys do on uh december 6th in canada yeah what did you what are you doing the rest of the year if you are so against like this is the big cause for the year what else have you done you can't just pop up one day of the year and be like oh violence against women's bad bye Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or or you don't go to the you don't go and I'm sorry the way you said it bye yeah. <laughs> like, or, or you don't attend marches in solidarity with indigenous women yeah, and indigenous yeah. people when they march you know like yeah. uh, for for so many um you know other 
issues that are actually about dismantling um you know the the the, the system that is like you've clear you've identified as being oppressive um it just seems like it's just yeah it's just a matter of convenience and yeah yeah. Uh, do you think nothing we haven't said before do you think that that is reflective of where um women's rights are now amy was just talking about just you know dismantling the system and then my first thought is like yeah but how many of those women really want to well there are a lot of people who like you know use language like smash the patriarchy dismantle Mm -hmm. the patriarchy who still have like a ways to go to understanding that like the white colonial state is a form of patriarchy right and so like because like their understanding maybe isn't quite there they don't quite get to the point of being like more radical on other issues or like they don't necessarily like see what their role is as allies in other things I don't know but like that's part of the work but like showing up one day a year is not going to get you there and like you know I I, I don't know but I mean yeah I think that on the one hand the women's march is a good way to get those who wouldn't otherwise be engaged engaged but mm-hmm. at the same time they're showing up one day a year so presumably yeah yeah it's either the people who show up one day a year or the people who show up to everything mm-hmm. um but you know how do we how do you connect that to like an actual movement is, yeah is the real question. to action yeah. like to a- yeah. to action mm-hmm. you know and that's the same as like yeah. any any business or any sort of type of promotion whether you're whether you organize an event um, or literally anything like cool. What are the touch points throughout the year to engage people on this issue on for this event for this movement? How am I going to uh, sell these tickets for this event next year? Cool. I need to send a remind like the the documents or the photos or the whatever from this event in three months as a reminder. Hey, you attended this thing. Yeah. And then in another three months, I'm going to be like, Hey, like this event's coming up again. You attended last year. It's in six months. Uh, the schedule is coming out in three weeks and then you keep reminding people. Yeah. You can't just remind people a couple weeks before. Well, I don't think that's really the issue because people do talk about the women's March. The people who attend it talk about it throughout the year. I think the, the issue is more uh, not Sorry, I mean, like, it's an opportunity for, like, the Women's March as an organization to, to tag in people throughout the year being like, hey, like, there's this thing, like, you attended and the march. And to show like, up at other events, as too. As the beginning and the end of what the endeavor is, is the problem, though, right? Sure. Like, it's a means to something. It's not the ends. No. So people act like, you know, if you're organizing for the Women's March as a one-day march, like, that's fine. But the Women's March as an institution isn't a thing. So you yes. can organize a women's march. It's okay, like yeah. a collaboration of different organizations mm-hmm. and women and they come together and we have a march one day a year and that's it. Like December 6th, that's a march to honor, like that's a visual to honor the memory of the women who died in Polytechnic and a day to end violence against women. It's collaboration between different organizations. People show up, you go to the thing and that's it. And then the rest of the year you do that work yeah. through those organizations. It's not women's march TM. And it's a brand and an institution and it, and it, or, a, you know, a thing in, in and of itself. It's, mm-hmm. it can't, it's not and nor can it be. And, and then to what end? What like what is it? So I just wanted to really just make a meal out of my enjoyment <laughs> of the fire festival documentary <laughs> from earlier this morning, which I totally like watched like at 7 a.m. For some reason on the weekend, I really enjoyed like early morning lazy in bed TV. Um, and this was 
perfect uh kiss emoji um it was definitely chef's kiss chef's kiss um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i've only seen the netflix one uh but i'm gonna track down that hulu documentary if it kills me i'm dying to see it i hear it's really good too um but i mean here's the here's a feminist take on the fire festival documentary First of all, talk about white privileged dudes failing upwards like this guy, <laughs> Billy, what's his face? McFarland. I know what his name okay. is. I'm just trying not to dignify it. Um, I try to think about that other asshole, Seth McFarland. That's how I remember. Uh. Um, Billy McFarland, <laughs> who is the uh, the quote unquote brains behind the fire festival <laughs> operation uh college dropout started his first like entrepreneurial business like i mean he was like 13 like matching designers with like rich people i think his, his parents are like real estate developers he's pretty well off the documentary doesn't tell you this but i googled and <laughs> <laughs> well i feel like the documentary is missing a lot of context which is really what my rant is about so you know has this like goes on a lark gets this and tries to invest in this app with draw rule uh, which like actually is a really if you're trying to develop an app that targets millennials, great pick. Yes. Had Ashanti been involved, I would have like fucking I would have paid so <laughs> much for whatever they were doing. <laughs> like this app costs fifty dollars. Like, I'm in sold <laughs> sold. Uh, so they really they, they in in a sense he did know what he was doing if if I may be so bold. Um, so Jarrell and him making this app to like match people with booking like to be able to book artists. That's how this whole fire festival shit started. And then of course we all know what happened. He creates a festival. People go. Rich people spend thousands of dollars to go there, and they're essentially staying in hurricane disaster tents and they're eating cheese sandwiches, uh, for the thousands of dollars that they ended up spending. Dude goes to jail, spoiler alert, for defrauding investors and their class action suits against him. Hilarious. Just so many great antics to enjoy. Um, but no, what I found frustrating about the whole documentary, I mean, it was really, it was actually quite a treat. The Schroedenfruden uh, really delivers. Um, but, you know, it, it was one frustrating because so clearly the Netflix documentary, they got the exclusive footage through the same media team who had actually put on the fire festival and like the folks who are uh, behind the Instagram account, fuck Jerry uh, who like help promote the fire festival. Uh, so, and that's a lot of their footage. So the, the whole thing feels like it's like a lot of people who aren't this dude trying to like shirk responsibility for what happened and kind of like, downplay their role and in, in, in complicity in the whole thing so like that that's kind of frustrating to watch but what really like pissed me off is you see like how in throughout the planning of this thing and no point did anyone think like you know this is a large-scale event there will be like safety or security will be an issue and no point did anyone think about that and you have to imagine like how scary and terrifying it was because people get to the island they fly them in they have ultimately canceled the event, but people show up. They can't check them in. There's nowhere for them to sleep. They're all squatting in like these like <laughs> shitty ass tents. People are stealing mattresses, sleeping out in the oh open. No, but it's wild. There's nowhere to shit. There's nowhere to, nothing to eat. But like, and then people start like they're drinking. People brought yeah. their own booze, and then like what the documentary doesn't tell you, and what I'm sure happened is that there were probably like a bunch of assaults. 
and shit yeah, that Yeah, cuz there was no down. lights. There were no lights. They didn't light the area that the campground that they built. There was it's to call it a campground is to be generous. It was an open field <laughs> with literally reused hurricane tents. Hurricane rescue tents that had been built to people as like luxury villas which they obviously couldn't erect in time. And but like no one at well, any point thought about like the security of people. And like the women especially who would be attending this festival. And like I wonder like in horror what's going to happen when like the the class action like i'm sure it's already underway i don't know what happened with it they don't talk about it in the documentary they just say it's been filed it's gonna take a long time but like the the actual like weird shit that probably happened to people in that circumstance but then like no so no one talks about that no one talks about and then like the whole anecdote around the local workers who worked on building the site who never get paid hundreds and hundreds of people laborers who like put together this whole infrastructure at the last minute none of them get paid all get like completely shafted there's probably no way for them to sue these folks who are based in the states from from the bahamas where they are from from zuma island so like that's wild totally an afternote in this documentary as if like like not not entirely but like kind of like you know it's so bad how he treated his real employees in new york also kind of bad he didn't pay these people, but really bad at how he didn't pay his actual staff in New York, like the white like the white folks who are like working on it. No real assessment of like how classist and gross it is to like go there and be like, we're going to like buy half an island or whatever. And we're going to like use like and you could you could tell like people were exci- like people from the island were initially excited. They were like, oh, this will be a boost to the economy. Like we never get headlining bands in Zuma. Like we don't get to see this stuff. And it's like, oh, you're not going to like. Like, this festival is not for you. It is, like, for flown in, like, rich fuckers who, like, you know, fortunately, you never actually got to interact with because they all had to, like, be flown back or never made it there. Um, The other thing that really irked me about it is just, like, how uh, the the whole, everyone involved in the production of the fire Festival talks about uh, the women who are the models, who are the influencers, who initially got this thing going. They call on, like, you know, the Bella Hadid and all these uh, famous models to do a promo video. They fly them to down to this island. They do the promotion, and then they all kind of, like, upload the video, and that's how the fire Festival, like, gets its notoriety and why everyone wants to, like, attend it. Um, the documentary treats it as if it's, like, the liability, like, the fault of these women and influencers and their appeal for getting people there. And, like, partly it is... But not to the extent that they say. And then the whole point, they're just treated like like trophies. They're never interviewed in the documentary. Like they're like treated as if like they're and treated by Ja Rule and fucking Billy McFarland as if they're total like just like pawns, like dragged along. They don't know what they're signing up for. They're mm-hmm. like dismissed. They're like, treated so callously. And the whole thing was just like really gross. So if you want to see like bro, skeevy bro culture up close. The Fire Festival documentary is like pretty fascinating for that. Um, you saw it. I watched it on Friday night. Um, it is worth canceling all your plans to watch. Like, there was a moment halfway through when I was watching. So I was watching it in the bath, and I my jaw just dropped, and I yelled out, "What?" That's how shocking it was. It really is. It's like the only time I did not text while watching something. Oh, I yeah. was like glued to it. Like I was getting text messages and I was like deeply inconvenienced. I missed things and I rewinded. I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't, I, 
I need to watch this. They okay. they should have canceled like they should have canceled the second they planned it. <laughs> that, the second the second they filmed the promo, it should have been done. They should have had a nice weekend. <laughs> the end. The promo was like yeah no. Anyway, there there's multiple layers of fraud. Yes. Uh, and also for those who are wondering, like Ja Rule clearly was so ignorant. Ja Rule's like, look at most, <laughs> at most. <laughs> And most it's just false advertising. advertising. That's not fraud. That's what he says in the movie. I'm like, dude, that's exactly. Also, ja Rule has been ja Rule has been tweeting about it. So go find those tweets. It's uh, a real, it's a real delight. It's a gift that keeps on giving. All right, Aaron. All right, so I am going to also talk about Netflix. Um, though, so I'm going to talk about I you. you. Sorry, have you, you? watched? Yeah. Oh yeah, loved it. Oh, we need to talk about that one too. Okay. But that's neither here nor yeah. there. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, tidying up with Mary Kondo. And I've not watched it. I have no intention of watching I'm it. I'm so glad you're talking about this because I've it it went over my head. So explain it. I I've watched it. I didn't read the books or her book, whatever. I don't care. Like I generally don't have a lot of things anyway, and I pretty regularly purge my my objects. So I don't have to do this really what i only thing i'm interested that mary kondo has to give me is her fucking folding methods that's all i need (laughs) i don't need to go and buy all of her fucking containers that she's hawking or she's promoting because that's her business model so you go buy a million containers at the fucking container store so you have a trillion containers but like nothing to put in them which makes no sense who is this woman i get my containers from dollarama i know you're all wondering sometimes i get mine from ikea (laughs) anyway um Basically, like people like, oh, I'm like Mary Kondo is so great. Da da da. Sure, like if you have clutter, fine, fine. So, the, what does she do? She's like a non-cluttering. I don't fucking know. I haven't watched it. Oh, she's like, oh, hold this thing. Does this spark joy? If not, throw it out. That's the long and short of it. Oh, it's actually extremely underwhelming. I don't want to step on your toes. You rant. Yeah, I'll build on it later. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like, fine. Like the whole premise. If you want to just like get rid of shit fine but like the show from what i understand is not good because it's basically a bunch of men just showing about how they're lazy pieces of shit and uh when in the instance of a family how dads just really aren't pulling their weight with regards to um women and their families and just cleaning i guess it's a lot of women just like doing the work Mm -hmm. and the men just sitting around and being like i don't care or i will i'll do it later or whatever Pretty much. Lazy men. Shocking. So I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts this week. Which um, one? The Watch by The Ringer. It's a pop culture TV movie podcast, sometimes music. Um, They talk about the films, not like the cultural aspect. And um, they, the host Chris Ryan or one of the co-hosts Chris Ryan brought on one of his Ringer colleagues, Alyssa Burznak, um and she he's in the LA office and she's in the New York office and he says cool like we're here to talk about Marie Kondo and I heard you Marie Kondo the New York office and so basically she goes into this really dumb story about how her and another female colleague banded together to Marie Kondo the whole fucking office while all of the men sat there and did fucking nothing and they went up to the to the men and they were like okay you have this weekend mm-hmm. to get all your shit and like if you don't want it yeah if it's still here on monday we're throwing it out we like yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, be yeah. the ones we'll that decide yeah we'll be the ones that decide so 
they come in Monday morning and this shit's all there. So they're making decisions about what stays and what goes. The dude comes in. He's like, oh, and they're like, we fucking told you you had your opportunity to make these decisions yourself. Tough luck. And I was like, um, first of all, I would never go through my colleague's shit because I don't fucking care. Two, I'm especially not going to go through their shit if they're a man because they're fucking gross. Three, another part of her talking is like, oh, you're like, we found like weird shit. We found a whole bunch of like ramen noodles and packages and all of these things. Oh, we also found someone's like old, rotting, disgusted gym clothes. And I was like, no, nope, no. You know what your job isn't? Yeah. Is to pick up your colleague's stinky gym clothes that have been sitting there for fucking God knows how long in the back of a fucking drawer. But the men don't give a fuck. So she's like, well, I'm just going to take one for the team, take a bag and like pick up like the clothes like you would pick up dog poo. Mm -hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. She's like, cool. Like we clean the office, the end. And I was like, no, no, no. Terrible. This is awful. Women should not be doing the fucking emotional labor of men in the office, whether it's making the coffee, Mm -hmm. whether it's opening the doors, unless it's literally in their job description. Mm hmm. Like all those extra things, cleaning out of the fridge. No, cleaning out of the fridge always falls to the women in my office and always the admin staff. Yeah. And like sometimes non-admin staff, but like the admin staff were like, "Uh, fuck you guys. Uh, Why are we always cleaning up the fridge? And then the only other people to step up to clean the fridge are like other women. Because they can't stand how disgusting it is. It's terrible. Meanwhile, the men just don't give a flying fuck. So women, stop picking up after the men in your life. Whether you live with them, whether you work with them, whether you, I don't know, work out with them. Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Tell them that their fucking mother doesn't live here Mm -hmm. and that they are part of this space too and they should fucking contribute. The end. Boom. I am confused as to why somebody would even want to touch their co-workers stinky gym the thing is no one owned up to it so they were like well if no one's owning up to it we'll just pretend that it belongs to someone who already left the company but like where is it in a communal space why do you need to clean it why is happening here because i feel like if if this was at somebody's desk (laughs) fuck them i mean and if it were in a communal space just kick it out of the way you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. And women do this all the time. They're like, well, if I don't do it, it won't get done. Then let it not get done. Then because basically. Write several passive aggressive notes. And it- <laughs> Listen, someone fucking drank my coffee on Friday. And guess who's getting a passive aggressive note? The coffee maker. Because I bought the coffee. My colleagues and I make it for ourselves. No one else. And all of a sudden it's gone. No. Well, no passive aggressive notes <laughs> that's fucked up i want to say your how mom didn't make you, this fucking coffee how dare you eat other people's food fuck you like you gotta be a special type of like klepto or or you think you're that entitled now to to eat other people's food because i'm sure this person wasn't starving were you starving it was fucking coffee. We work above okay, a Tim Hortons. Okay, there you go. We work above okay. a Tim Hortons. So in other words, they just stole your fucking food. Yeah. There is a place in hell for people like that. There's, it's special. It's probably hot. I'm just saying. But I, I go back to this, this need for women to clean up after men. 
especially because I'm not sure if women would be cleaning up after women like that. I'm just saying. Uh, probably no. Probably not. So what is it with women needing to clean up after a man? I don't understand this. A man who who you don't even you don't even share like a postal code with. I don't understand. What does this need? Like how many times like how many times have I said like you know, dude, you shouldn't be cleaning that up cuz I ain't cleaning that up. And and the 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 thing you get back is, well, then it just won't get clean. Then don't let it get cleaned. How about that? There's your fucking resistance. Anyway, what was the controversy with her, by the way? Sorry, I, I, I know I'm going to cut this out, but I was just curious. With who? With Mary. Like, there was this whole controversy. Was that the controversy? Because she was mm-hmm. trending. Yes. Uh, but well, people, there's a mix. A lot of people really love the show. Oh, okay. Like, a lot of people really love it. And then a lot of people are like, the show is awful. It is an awful show. But a lot of people like the idea of purging. There's a lot of hoarders out Which there. is mm. fine. Which yeah. is fine. Minim- minimalism's in. You know how, what helps you purge? Move a bunch of times. All right. That does it for this week. Catch us on social media, on Twitter, at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram, at Bad and Bitchy Pod, on Facebook, slash Bad and Me Podcast, and email us, badandmepod at gmail.com. Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.